One does not simply walk into geekdom. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. You're a nerd. Damn right. I'm a nerd. Naturally. All things geek are up for grabs. Music. Sketch comedy or sitcoms. Doctor Who. I love Tim. Bird. The Flash. Green Lantern. The Trinity. Batman. Superman. Wonder Woman. The Joker. Wait a minute. I want to talk about the Joker. Star Wars. Love me some Star Wars. Magic. I'm an art guy. Paranormal. Halloween is life. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Welcome, nerds and nerdettes, to the Nerd Night of Nations podcast. I am your co-ambassador, Jared Boots, coming to you live from the heart of the Midwest in the East United States of America. Welcome back. Episode 2. You actually like what we had to say the last time, even though we stumbled our way through it. <laughs> when I say we, of course, I can't do this alone. I want to welcome my co-ambassador from Canada, my favorite Canuck, Miss Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. Oh, we did enough to do a second episode, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't stutter or stumble too bad through the first one, I guess. No, I don't think so. I think we did pretty well. It was fun. It was. Now we could try it again. Hopefully this yeah. one's a little bit easier. As hard as the topics were for tonight, should come off a little bit easier than the first episode did since we decided to wing it. I think so, yeah. I agree. But, you know, first 500 times and 501 will get it. Yep. Eventually. <laughs> the marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, if you didn't know what we're talking about tonight, I'm kind of leapfrogging off what we talked about last episode about things we're passionate about, things we're nerdy about, and tonight we're going to be talking about our favorite movies and our favorite live-action TV shows, and I emphasize live-action because I bet me and Melissa could do hours just about cartoons alone if we threw that in the mix. So what we did is we each made top 10 list of our favorite movies and favorite TV shows and some honorable mentions. And we're going to list them off and hopefully inspire a little chat. Now keep in mind, we're not doing an official top 10 list. These are just lists. These are personal lists that we love. I can guarantee half the movies on my list. You're not going to see in professional top 10 list. I don't look at my list. If you look at the AFI top 100 list, I don't think, I think I might have one or two that are on that AFI top 100 movies list. Have you read that list, Melissa? I have not, but I probably should for a laugh. Uh, <laughs> I think number one is Citizen Kane. If I remember the top three, it's Citizen Kane, Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz, maybe. I, I know Citizen Kane's number one. Lawrence Arabia might be in the top five somewhere, too. Yeah. Uh, I can see that being the top three. Those are like kind of the real, the real genuinely classic movies. So. I, haven't, I haven't seen Citizen Kane. Neither have I. I saw Wizard of Oz in the theater this year. 
I turned it into Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> In a good way. Becky, if you're listening, I behaved myself. My friend Becky, listening from uh, Cedar Rapids area. Hi, Becky. Me and her went and saw uh, Gun- uh, Wizard of Oz for the 8th anniversary this year. It was fun. So we're going to steamroll right into our top 10 favorite movies of all time. So we're going to start at number 10. Melissa will go first, and I'll say my number 10. We'll have a little discussion back and forth till we get to number one. Uh, Melissa, do you have any honorable mentions for your movies that didn't quite make your top 10? I do. I've got three of them. I probably have many, many more, but these were the Don't three that... Oh, right? Um, these were the top... Were, were the three that I argued with and and placed in different places in my list and i just was like no this one has to be here and this one has to be here and then it was pieced all together but my honorable mentions would be the dark knight um absolutely love that one and that's where i really really loved the joker like keith ledger's joker is amazing and fight me if you don't like him because he's he just nails that character, that quirky, crazy character. So we might, we might yeah. have upset some of the Cesar Romero enthusiasts out there. Well, everybody's got their favorite Joker. I'll just put that out there. But mine is like, you know, Heath Ledger. He's amazing. Uh, my second honorable mention is Indiana Jones, uh, specifically The Last Crusade. Um, I love all three of those movies. I think they're all well done, but I don't know. The Last Crusade is just a very good movie, and I think how they kind of wrapped up the series was really good. Like it just it ended, and then them riding off into the sunset was pretty awesome. So does that mean, does that mean you're not counting Crystal Skull? Crystal Skull is not in no that one. <laughs> no, that that one really was not good at all like it was kind of nice how spoiler alert if you haven't seen it but it's been out for ages so you know go watch it i'll wait and then you come back and we'll discuss it um Um, like really sweet that you know indiana finally he marries marion ravenwood because that was something that was like a love interest and like he you know loved her and then they also had like their past history and then you know so it kind of ended nice that way but otherwise that movie no that one does not count in my books at all so yeah uh my third one is gone with the wind classic movie clark gable and i can't remember the actress's name for the life of me which is sad because i really really love that movie and i first saw it in the movie theater because they do the classic uh, films will bring them back and have them on the big screen and first time also I also happy 80th birthday to gone with the wind this year yes yeah it actually won the best picture oscar that year it beat out the wizard of oz it did it did so yeah a very wonderful film and uh it was pretty cool to see on the big screen so yeah so that was my my three honorable mentions that Made it into the list, but then they got taken out because better movies came in there. So, would you say? The- would you say? Frankly, I don't give a damn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to like insert like a little siren and go nerd alert, nerd alert, nerd alert every time we make a reference. Yes. <laughs> I would agree that needs to be a thing because you know I'm sure we're gonna 
I can I'm make sense at, of consequences. I'm looking at my honorable mentions. I think ours are very polar opposites. Yeah? Well, what are your honorable mentions? Well, should I start? For, I don't know where to start. Uh, my first one, this one just missed it. Just missed my top ten. That's Jurassic Park. Mm. The first Jurassic Park. OG. Yep. Hear me talk in the first episode about my love for dinosaurs. And I was eight years old when the first one came out. So I was right in the wheelhouse to watch it. And the Dilophosaurus killing Newman from Seinfeld. That stuck with me for a long time. And I really love how they kept the same T-Rex going in the current continuity with Jurassic World. That's a pretty nice callback to it. Um, definitely my number two honorable mention. It's not on anybody's list except for a few of my friends. They probably made their top ten. It's Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I that, have heard of that movie, but I have not seen it. <laughs> a lot of people tend to stray away from it because they're so afraid of clowns. But this movie is so corny, it's good. And I know we've talked about doing a, a future episode where we talk about movies that are so bad they're good and so bad they're bad. And horror and comedy... I think fit those two tropes the best and killer clowns from outer space is a 30 year old movie, 31 year old movie now. And if you sit down and watch it, you would not believe this movie was made on a $2 million budget. It looks so good. I'm a huge practical effects fan. And this movie is so well done. It's, it's corny. It knows it's corny, but you just sit back and enjoy it every time I get introduced to this movie in college and I've been hooked on it ever since. Mm. Um, another honorable mention I just added to my list right before I hit record was an American werewolf in London. Another perfect balance of horror and comedy. And I just love it. It like, like killer clowns. It no, it's nose. It's cheesy. And it doesn't apologize for it. John Landis is a genius in my opinion. Uh, he, I don't think a lot of directors can find that blend of horror and comedy to make it work. And I think, I don't, Melissa, you're not a real fan of this movie, but I think even you can probably admit that this has a good blend of horror and comedy to it. And I introduced a, I introduced a gal to this movie last week, and we were having some chuckles from the scenes that, from it. And like how, how many horror movies do you know where a guy who is a werewolf is having a discussion with a corpse in a porno theater? <laughs> not many so <laughs> that's the only movie where you're gonna find it and yeah i'm not i'm not a huge fan of it um i i didn't get into it as much as i thought i would but it's still it it it's all right like it's you know it, it wasn't like oh i'm gonna that's not a you know that's two hours i'm never gonna get back it was a decent enough movie to watch at least once so yeah it's one I, I revisit all the time. If I want to pop a movie and I'll like, oh, I feel like watching American Oil from London. I just got my storage unit cleaned out where all my movies were. And the first, one of the first movies I pulled out of my storage unit to watch was American Oil from London. And I love that movie so much. And then my last uh, honorable mention is Animal House, mm. a classic comedy from the 1980, I believe. And first, or it might be late 70s, actually. Got one of your first, uh, yeah, it was your first appearance of Kevin Bacon in a movie. 
And it's got so many quotable lines on it. You probably hear the whole, what was it over in the German spawn Pearl Harbor? You probably hear that line a lot or, or food fight or thank you, sir. May I have another or, uh, what was the line for the twisted sister? Um, videos with uh, the, the the general sergeant saying uh, drop and give me 20 we're worthless and weak so those are just some good comedies or some good honorable mentions I had near your Jurassic Park will probably be the only one you find in, a, in anybody's top 10 list I bet <laughs> <laughs> so now let's get to the movies that made the cut Melissa what's your number 10 okay my number 10 is Ender's Game and this, heard of that one. This one was a. Uh, it's actually a fairly, I think, a fairly recent movie. Uh, I can't remember the year it came out, but I think I was still in high school, so like maybe two thousand and not sure. Anyway, um, it's about this kid named Ender, who he um. He gets um, recruited into this battle school, and this battle school is in space. And these kids, um, there's all different kids that get chosen. And um, wait, does this this have Ben Kingsley in it? Yes, I have yeah. seen part of this uh, where I was living in Ames for that month before I moved back. Yeah, yeah, and then they um, they don't realize that they're in a game or that they're actually fighting a battle. And they think they're playing like a video game, and uh, and then it comes out that oh, it's you know they're actually battling these um, aliens, um, and that they've kind of been this battle school's been sort of preparing them for that throughout these like the history of these aliens and all these you know and fights and stuff, and then they they do their big battle and it's like oh this was real, and uh, so yeah, I, I love it. I think it's a really great. Uh, really great movie, and the book is the the book that it's based on is is really good too, and the movie does a really good job of being loyal to the book, because um, I like I watched the movie and then I read the book, and it really both are like it, the movie is solid to the you know to the book so yeah. Well, now that I, now that it's familiar in my brain. When I was living in Ames for that month back in February before I moved back, I was watching it with my friend that I was staying with. And I remember talking about it. I go, I don't think this movie did very well in theaters. And we had a discussion about that. So I, I honestly never seen it. I have no honest opinion. I know Harrison Ford's in it too, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So now that, now that we established that, I, I know what you're talking about. I thought it was okay when the part. I think we only saw half of it. I thought it was really good. Like I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was it was fun. Like it was it wasn't really a a too serious of a movie, but it was it was like lighthearted and and fun and I I enjoyed it. So yeah, I thought it was something really different. So yeah. We're gonna swing the other end of the spectrum for mine. My number ten is basketball. Basketball? I haven't heard of that one. It is. <laughs> I don't think it was written by them. I believe it was made by the the name is slipping me right now. The brothers that did the airplane movies. 
Uh, but it stars Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> this movie is hilarious. It's one of those movies where I can watch the sound off and quote it line for line for line for line. And it comes up so often, like Diane Bacar that I brought up in our last episode who plays Chota Boy in Orgasmo. He comes back and they call him Little Bitch throughout this whole show, <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> and Matt and Trey play these two brothers, or two, no, sorry, two childhood best friends. It's essentially a movie taking shot at uh, taking shots at what sports have become, like players getting traded to teams just for the money and teams move relocating all the time. It's just taking a, a shot at the sporting industry. And these two friends invent a sport in their driveway, which is a combination of baseball and basketball, and it blows up to be this huge thing. And their team Diane and their friend uh Squeak, they call him Squeak, <laughs> Squeak or Little Bitch, <laughs> and, uh, and they rip on him so much. And there's a scene where they first, when he moves in with them, and he goes, "You guys rip on me 13 or 14 more times, I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend it. it's it's a good if you like airplane, you like that kind of satire comedy, then this is a good one to watch. Um, I highly recommend it. I, I want to say it came out. Early 2000s. Okay. But you hear Trey Parker does throw in his Cartman voice. He throws in his Mr. Garrison a little bit. And, of course, Trey sings in it like he does, too. So. Mm-hmm. Is it the Zuckerberg brothers that do Airplane? Airplane and... Uh, what was the one with Leslie Nielsen? Uh, oh... Um, Naked Gun. Uh, Naked Gun, yes. Yeah, Naked Gun movies. Uh, I believe it's those guys that directed and wrote this. Yeah. So if you like those movies, I think you'd like basketball. And if you don't like yeah. it for that reason, watch it for Trey Parker, Matt Stone. They are hilarious in it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely like those kind of movies. Yeah, like Naked Gun is hilarious. And... Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have to def- definitely have to check that out. What is your number nine? My number nine is Death Proof. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I recently uh, was introduced to that by a friend of mine at my previous workplace. Um, yeah, she she kept quoting it, and it was the, the part where um, she's the one girl, she's on the hood of the car, and then she goes flying into the bushes. And then they're like, oh, and all emotional, thinking she's dead. And then she like jumps out, and she's like, I'm okay. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan, so I yeah. he's one of those guys I'll watch him in anything. And like I meant to talk about last podcast, I've, I've been listening to this uh, Friday the Thirteenth podcast, and one of the gals that's in Death Proof was on the episode of In Voorhees We Trust, where they're talking about. Uh, Friday the 13th part 6 so she named out that she was in Death Proof she talks about the gal that was on the hood of the car <laughs> I couldn't name her off to begin with I, all I know is Kurt Russell and Rosario Dawson off the top of my head Yeah, yeah I can't remember the, the names of the other uh, actresses in it but yeah I totally love that movie first time seeing it and I just loved it it was so good like it's got like a darkness to it but then it's also this like 
lighthearted and fun movie, and it just keeps you going. And uh, yeah, I I love it. So it's good. Not my- it's not my favorite Tarantino movie, but it's up there. It's a good one. Yeah. That was, yeah. I think my first. No, that was my second Tarantino movie I'd ever seen. Yeah. My first one was Pulp Fiction, and I did not like that one at all. <laughs> Mine was Reservoir Dogs, and I love Reservoir Dogs. That one's so good. Yeah. Love that one. Yeah. I just recently had gone on like a Tarantino kick where it's just like it's like Death Proof and Reservoir Dogs and The Hateful Eight and uh, Inglorious Bastards and That's a good one. Love that one. <laughs> so good. I I can already tell we're gonna be doing a lot of spectrum swinging in our lists here. That's good that we have like such different yeah. like oh. um, interests in movies, so well, those two. We're going to swing back, and my number nine is Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. I know usually Empire gets the all the hearts, but yeah. I lo- I love A New Hope. That was, yeah. If I had to rank them all, that that's my number one, and that's what brings us into the world to begin with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love seeing. I think I've only seen it maybe once before all the before George Lucas went all edit crazy before he added Boba Fett and all that stuff. But I would do remember, I do remember seeing it in the theater when he re-released his first, uh, recut of it. Yeah. But I still loved it then when he added the more do backs and all that stuff and added more stormtroopers. But mm-hmm. I do love empire. I do. I do love the original trilogy, but I, I love a new hope more than I love the other two. Not saying I hate, Jedi or Empire by it. I just love A New Hope more. I have more of that sentimental attachment to A New Hope. Yeah, I, I love that one too. And I actually used to have um, in my old bedroom, I had two quotes from A New Hope painted on my wall. My mom, she she wrote it out and then she painted it on my wall. And it was um, the first one was Sorry About the Mess. After he shoots Greedo and everything, and he's like, he throws the money at the bartender. He's like, sorry about the mess, and walks out. And then, uh, and it was hilarious because like my room was always like <laughs> a mess. I trying to keep it clean. Then we like three seconds later, it's like hurricane went through. So it was, it was hilarious. And then it was one of my favorite quotes from it because it was just that scene it was funny. And then the other one was, um, oh, it was about the Millennium Falcon. Um, what a piece of junk! No, it was the. <laughs> that line stands out to me a lot. What a piece of junk! <laughs> you not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the um, uh, Millennium Falcon. You've never heard of Millennium Falcon? It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs. That was on my wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I think one of the first things that stood out to me, too, was also the infamous Jedi mind trick on the Stormtrooper. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the droid you were looking for. <laughs> Move along. Move, Move along. along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only works on the weak-minded. <laughs> the one that, that I... The quote I will never forget from that movie is when they're... They just get... They're on the cliff side and they're looking down at Mos Eisley. And... Obi-Wan is telling Luke about it, and he's like, you know, most Eisley spaceport. 
You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> I don't uh, know if I remember that one, but I just, I don't know. I love that. A, just... There's been meme, memes made about that about Davenport. <laughs> <laughs> wretched den of scum and villainy. <laughs> or I've yeah. seen the t-shirts that say most sides of the cantina where our friends don't like you and we don't like you either. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't like you. <laughs> and I don't like you either. <laughs> uh, what is your... Go ahead. I love the, the Family Guy Star Wars. You know, I don't like you either. You just met me. That's so true. You don't know me. Oh, that's true. I'm pig nose. <laughs> I'm pig nose. <laughs> My brother-in-law Scott. <laughs> Have you seen when they do that on a robot chicken? No, I haven't seen that one. Where they do the whole. Ba- I think I think he's done like three, two or three Star Wars episodes where he does like a whole. What that guy went through that day that gets his arm cut off. <laughs> I'm going to get that promotion. I just know it. And he's eating like Admiral Ackbar Crunch. And they're like, pig nose comes across the hall. Like, hey, let's go to the cantina. Like, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> and he's getting his arm cut off. I think he's like, a, what is he, an architect or something like that? And he goes and ever gets his arm cut off. He tries to draw with his other hand. He ends up getting fired. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, what, what's your number eight <laughs> my number eight is Grease I love that one it's just one of those movies that like I've watched several times over and it's just it's so much fun it's, what's, yeah. what's the lesson we learned from that movie it's okay to change yourself for somebody you like <laughs> <laughs> If the person you're with doesn't like who you are, change who you are. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I got. I, I didn't see Grease for the first time until I was. Uh, I was probably in my early twenties the first time I saw Grease, but I was aware of the songs just because of karaoke and stuff. I don't hate it. I've grown. I think I've grown probably a better appreciation for it as I've gotten older. But if I want to put on like a musical type movie, it's not going to be the first one I choose. Uh, I have an appreciation for. It, I guess I could say. Yeah. It serves a purpose, I guess. But I like to hear that joke. I hear that joke so often now about the moral of the story is you change who you are for the person you love because is it uh. Danny and Sandy. Sandy. Oh, Sandy. (laughs) (laughs) They change change who they are (laughs) for each other at the end of the story. Which here we are in a podcast preaching like, be who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Except Danny and Sandy, they change who they are. (laughs) (laughs) Because it sounds like a drag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready for another spectrum swing? Okay. My number eight is Beetlejuice. Oh, yours is that? Okay. All the way back to the other side of the spectrum, we go from Greece to Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny you mention that. Anyway, we'll get there. 
Yeah, like it'll, it'll be funny soon. I I wanted to put it higher, I really did, but the seven I have in front of it are it'll be just as one I'll throw in every couple months and watch. But <laughs> this is this list was a real selfish choice for me. I'm, I'm a little ashamed myself to put Beetlejuice so low on my list, but it made the cut. It beat out Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love me some Beetlejuice. Michael yeah. Keaton and Tim Burton are good, just as good of a combination as Tim Burton and Johnny Depp fight me on yeah. that. I, I'm in agreement. Like that, that couldn't have been any better. Like if it was somebody else playing Beetlejuice, it wouldn't have been the same. I don't think. Like they, they would have brought their own like weirdness to it but i don't know like michael keaton he just he brings that character to life so much so yeah another reason why i love it is because i myself am strange and unusual there you go (laughs) yeah i can i i like i can quote that movie and like still you know laugh and i remember in high school i did a monologue and it was the scene where um he's like you know I've seen The Exorcist about you know, 167 times. It like gets funnier every time I see it. <laughs> I say it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? You think I'm Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you actually love to see Michael Keaton on the screen. And probably somebody who doesn't get enough credit for being in that movie is Jeffrey Jones, considering what the trouble he's gotten into in the early 2000s. But he's one of those actors that just shows up in a movie. I love his performance like that with Beetlejuice and Ferris Bueller and uh, Ed Wood, and Howard the Duck. Like just he's one of those actors that shows up and just steals the show. But he there's so many good performers in this movie. And I have a feeling we'll be talking about this movie here pretty soon. So I'll save some discussion for so what's your number seven? My number seven is Reservoir Dogs. Nice. Yes, that one had to make the. It kept getting knocked out of the list, and I'm like, no, this needs to be in the list somewhere, and that's where it went. I like. I love how clever that movie is, and how it's not like it's. Well, it's kind of typical Tarantino, where he's not obvious and where he's going with it. Like he'll he'll like take you on a path one way, and then he like turns around and it's like boom, another path, and it's like what the hell? How would you do that? And so, yeah, I really, yeah, the movie is just, um, it's a very clever movie and I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. I do love that movie too. It's like I said earlier, it was the first Tarantino movie I ever saw. And I think I heard about it from a friend in high school. Cause I think he told me about, I think it's the torture scene with Mr. Blonde and the cop. That's, in my mind, one of my most iconic movie scenes of all time. Mm-hmm. And I laugh my butt off every time I see it parodied, too. <laughs> have you seen the spe- Have you seen the special feature where they reenact it with the Mr. Blonde action figure? I have not. <laughs> it, was on, it was on my DVD. I think it's on... Out. It might be on mine as well. There's a few... I, 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 got, I, got one of the, I got one of the anniversary ones where it came in different colors. Yeah. I got Mr. Blonde on mine. Yeah, mine. Oh, actually, mine's just the what is it? Yellow and red, I think it is. The colors on the DVD, and then it's Reservoir Dogs, and then it's the group of guys that pictured oh. it. 
Mine had a sleeve over over the top of it, and it was a Mr. Blonde sleeve. And then on the, on the actual cover, it was just all the all the individual guys with their individual colors. Yeah. That that scene is all that infamous scene is also parodied, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> and there's St. Patrick's Day episode <laughs> with, Char- with Charlie Day torturing a guy who he thinks is a leprechaun, <laughs> and he's drinking he's drinking green paint. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think he's playing the. I think he's playing the exact same song stuck in the middle with you. But what well, another thing that, that song is memorable because when I was in art club in high school, my freshman year, our homecoming theme was uh, there's a one in, one ahead for black and red, and our float theme art club won the float that year, and we all dressed as jokers. We went with that. That theme, clowns left, jokers to the right. Nice. We all dressed as jesters. It was pretty cool. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> I didn't even think about that for my top ten or my honorable mentions, but that, that's probably my favorite Tarantino movie of all time is Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite uh, member of the gang? Mm. It's been a while since I've seen that one, so I'm trying to remember everybody. Um, we got Mr. White, we got Mr. Orange, Mr. Brown, Mr. Blue, Mr. Pink, and Mr. Blonde. Yeah. Hmm. You can't pick Mr. Purple because he's already got a guy another job named Mr. Purple. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I can't pick one. Oh, you're all good. Um, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I'll be there. I'll be here for days. So, yeah, well, I, I could know. pick easily. When I was a kid, I was a Bashemi fan, so I'd always say Mr. Pink. Yeah, but I think I think it's Mr. Blonde. I love Mr. Blonde. <laughs> Not yeah. just because of that infamous scene, but other reasons why he's so charismatic in that. In that role, he plays that psychopath role so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So on to number six. Uh, my number seven. Oh, your number. Sorry, I'm skipping over I'm things. So <laughs> rushing, God. <laughs> fight, fight me if you must. But my number seven is a Christmas movie. Or I say it's a Christmas movie. It's Gremlins. Uh. <laughs> Fight me if you will on Twitter. I will stand to the death and defend that Gremlins and Batman Returns are Christmas movies. And if you want to at me and say Die Hard is too, I'll stand next to you and say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But I say Gremlins is a Christmas movie. I've gotten in arguments with people that Gremlins is a Christmas movie. I will defend it to the death. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, going back to talking about how John Landis balances the comedy and the horror in American Werewolf in London, Joe Dante, who also released a werewolf movie that year called The Howling, um, did Gremlins, and he also does a good job of balancing horror and comedy in this one, too. And I remember being a kid, this came out the year I was born, and... It's weird because I like to blow people's minds with trivia saying that Gremlins is rated R. Mm-hmm. 
and nobody believes me because you watch it by today's standards. Oh, it's not, that's not a rated R movie. Yeah, it is because back in 1984, there was no PG-13 rating. So this movie wasn't tame enough to be PG, so it had to be rated R. Mm-hmm. This is one of the movies that pushed for the PG-13 rating. But I hear mumblings that Gremlins was supposed to be a lot darker than it really was. And it's got a bit of a dark element to it already, as it is. When you hear like Phoebe Cates talking about her father, and like Stripe does not pull any punches fighting Billy at all in this. And got a lady flying out her freaking window off of her chairlift, as humorous as it is. <laughs> you still got people dying in this movie. Yeah. But I heard mumblings that Gizmo was supposed to turn into Stripe. And that the gremlins were supposed to kill Billy's mom. And when he's running up the stairs at his house, like they throw her head at him and they're going to kill the dog. So it, I would be intrigued to see, I know the movie's getting rebooted or remade or I think it's getting an animated show. Um, But I'd be, I'd, I'd love to see that cut that, that darker cut of gremlins. And this is a movie I watch every Christmas. I watch it every year. I watch. I pop in this and one of my other movies on my list, and I'll pop in Batman Returns every Christmas and watch it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I I don't mind Gremlins. I'm not. I'm not like biggest fan of it, but but it's all right. Like it's a, it's a good movie, and I get you know, you know the references and stuff, and don't you know don't. What feed or what? Well, there's only three rules, Melissa. How do you mess them up? I you, you, keep them out of, you keep them out of sunlight. <laughs> no bright lights. You don't feed them after midnight. And you it. don't get them wet. That's it. See, I remember the the you know don't feed them after midnight and don't get them wet. But the other two are always possible. Well, it's, it's three rules. No light. No bright lights. Is the main one. I yeah. made that uh, about two thousand. 12 or 13 I got hit in the mouth at softball practice I had to go to the hospital to get stitches and quick backstory I have a sensitivity to bright lights because my history with concussions and everything and while I was at the hospital the doctor had the light right in my face when he was stitching up my lip and he had the needle about a couple inches away from my face and I go can you please uh, I go I'm like a mogwai I don't do good with bright lights he goes what's a mogwai you know, I go the creature from Gremlins, and he started laughing so hard, and the needle was this close to my face. Like if you can't see it because it's a vi- an audio podcast, but he imagine a doctor laughing with a needle less than an inch away from your face, and I had to do the voice. Bravo, bravo, bravo. <laughs> and, and it was like my own personal 3D movie. He had that needle so close to my eye when he was laughing. <laughs> That's one reference I make all the time is I'm like a mogwai. I don't do bright lights. <laughs> so this Christmas, I'll sure I'll put on Facebook that I'm watching Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> What's your uh, number six? My number six. And this is, again, like going from one extreme to the other. Um, the Maltese Falcon. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You went to the other side of the spectrum and went back in time. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I 
I think I've already listed off my oldest movie on my list. <laughs> I have probably another kind of... Uh, it might be like second oldest to Maltese Falcon. Like it's that same like generation. Um, but yeah, I love the Maltese Falcon and like Humphrey Bogart. You can't go wrong. He's just, you know, awesome in the movie and the movie itself is just clever and they're, you know, um, yeah, I've seen it many, many times and, um, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites. I don't know much about it. Uh, I I'm aware of it. I'm sure my, my dad's probably had it on before and I've been in passing, so I, I don't have much to contribute to this part of the conversation. I apologize. But I, I'm aware of its existence, if that counts for anything. It does. It totally counts. It does. It's, it's definitely a movie to watch. Like, it's, it's very good. Well, grab your, grab your rope because we're swinging back again. My number six is Batman 89. Oh, <laughs> another Tim Burton, Michael Keaton team up. Yep. And my number five and my number six were really hard to uh, to choose between. But I love Batman '89. I remember seeing it when I was a little kid. But I think one of the it wasn't the first Batman movie I remember. I remember vividly in my head. I think it was Batman Forever. Mm. I'm sure Andy DiGenova just turned off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, Batman Forever is the first one I remember seeing, but I do remember watching Batman and Batman Returns. Might have been before that, but I've probably seen them both before I saw Batman Forever. But like that scene I've mentioned in the last episode, the Joker talking to um the husk of the mobster after he electrocutes him with the hand buzzer just sticking with me and Fun fact: We have this. We had this thing back in Clinton called the Creeps for Charity that uh, people dressed in these spooky outfits. And my parents were actually a part of that when I was a kid. The the man who was my godfather actually dressed as the Joker for uh, for that. <laughs> but uh, it's got such a Tim Burtony feel to it, and it's one. Of my, it's my favorite. One of my favorite comic book characters of all time, and it's just a match made in heaven for me. Mm-hmm. And that one also turns uh, 30 years old this year. Wow. So many movies. You don't think of them and like how old they are until it's like, you know. The 80s much- turned out, they, especially the, like the mid, like 84 to 89 turned out a lot of big movies and that have anniversaries within the last couple of years or this year. Yeah. Definitely. There's a lot of them. The list would be probably a mile long. <laughs> Well, you got two big ones that turned 80 this year. You listed one already with Gone with the Wind. That turned 80 this year. Um, the Batman turns 30. There's a bunch of them that, that some turned 35. Uh, we're hoping to talk about one that turns 35 this year. And we were hoping to talk about one that turns 40 later this year. That one's probably lesser known than the other ones. But, um, so even Killer Clowns from Outer Space, that one turned 30 last year in 2018. Wow. You sit back and think, of the, and how, was it two years ago, Star Wars turned 40? The first Star Wars turned 40, so. Yeah. And a lot of these movies hold up still. They they really do. Yeah. Like, there, you know, there's some movies that, you you know, you watch them, 
you know, now, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, this is really bad. But then movies like, yeah, your Star Wars and all that stuff, like, they are still amazing. They're still just really, really good. Even, like, Ghostbusters is still... Oh, yeah. Still holds up, man. It, you know, fight me if you say it doesn't. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'll take a practical, I'll take a practical effect movie over a over budgeted CG movie any day. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. So are we swinging back for number five, the other side of the spectrum here? Yes, very much. Um, My number five is the African queen. Another one. You love your you love your Humphrey Bogart, don't you? I do. I really, really do. Yeah, Humphrey Bogart, Catherine Hepburn. Ah, such a good movie. I remember like my my grandpa and my dad, they like the movie, but they nitpick it. Because they're like in the movie they have this wooden boat and it um has torpedoes and they have a like a, a wood stove on it and they're like, Yeah, that that would not happen. It's like Open your mind. Just go with it. It's a f- absolutely fun movie, and I, I've seen it many times, and I love it. But yeah, you got to get past the fact that yeah, it wouldn't be possible to have torpedoes on a wooden boat or a wood stove. But just go with the movie. <laughs> That's what Def- makes it fun. Definitely an interesting <laughs> concept. That's the thing. I haven't seen this one either. I know it's considered a classic, but I think the only movie I've seen with Catherine Hepburn in it is probably on Golden Pond with her and Henry Fonda. I haven't seen that one. That's a, I remember watching that one a lot as a kid growing up. Yeah. I think Henry Fonda's daughter, Bridget, is in it with him. So it's definitely an older Catherine Hepburn and an older Henry Fonda because I think it's an 80s movie. Oh, okay. So it's definitely them older. Yeah. Well, my number five, which was a coin toss of my number six, that's The Dark Knight. Ah. <laughs> my love for Heath Ledger runs deep because that's what brought me back into comics. And mm-hmm. and the future episode we're going to talk about is about being open-minded when it comes to casting choices. While back in the 88, 87, whenever it was announced that Michael Keaton was playing Batman, that sparked a huge controversy. I would say for our generation, you know, we're a few years apart, Heath Ledger being announced as being cast as the Joker sparked a huge controversy. And I was one of those guys like, oh, man, the guy from 10 Things I Hate About You. (laughs) (laughs) But I went and saw it and he blew me away. And because of that, now every time I hear a random casting choice, I'm like, well, I think Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger blew us all away. And so Dark Knight got me back into comics. And I've actually played the Joker numerous times on Haunted Houses, being told I do the best Heath Ledger impression ever. I've heard some real bad ones out there. <laughs> and I've been told I do the best Heath Ledger impression. When it comes to Jew and Joker, and I find the tip trick is you have to you have to match his facial expressions to get it, because mm-hmm. anybody can say why so serious. But I have female friends when I say why so serious to them, they shudder and turn away from me when I do it. <laughs> but 
I really would, and side tangent. I really wish Chris Nolan. I love I love Dark Knight. Batman Begins is okay, but I really wish he would have finished stronger with Dark Knight Rises. I think Dark Knight Rises was kind of a weak ending to the trilogy. I still like it. I watch it mostly for Tom Hardy mm-hmm. as Bane, but yep. Dark Knight was a perfect movie, even with the recasting of Maggie Gyllenhaal not doing an accurate uh, portrayal of Two Face, mm. but. It's still such a flawless airtight movie. Yeah. And Heath Ledger just knocks out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah. I, that, yeah. I didn't see, no, yeah, I didn't see that one in the theater, but I saw it like later on and it was out. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it blew me away. Like it was so good. And, yeah, that's where, like, I just, I love Joker. He was my favorite. If anybody asks, like, who's your favorite character in the movie? It's like Joker, like 100%. Just, I would say 99% of the people would say it's Heath Ledger, it's Joker. Yeah. He he just, I don't know, he, he did an amazing performance. It was it was so good. The movie itself is just is really, really good, too. But, yeah. He played a huge part in that. And I'm glad he got the posthumous Oscar. And if you if you watch his last film, The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, I believe it's called. Yeah, it was that Dark Knight goes down as being like the last movie he made, but it's actually The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. He was actually in the middle of filming that when he passed. But uh, there's one scene where you get a just a small taste of the Joker voice. It's a small taste of it. You're Doctor Parnassus. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) and all Heath Ledger fans everywhere were like yes (laughs) seeing that movie (laughs) I don't know how many people actually watch it's it's got a good cast because Tom Waits is in it Um, I think it was infamous because they cast Johnny Depp, Colin Farrell and Jude Law to replace Heath Ledger, and it's actually kind of brilliant how they do it. Um, and I'm probably going to get crucified on the internet for this. Unless it's Ian McKellen is one of the main guys in the movie. I want to say, but if you want to go ahead and do your, your number four, I'll go ahead and look it up. Okay. My number four movie is Star Wars. Just the whole saga or... A New Hope. A New Hope. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my number four. Yeah. That's what, that's what, uh, definitely, yeah, jettisoned me into, into nerdum and, and just the movie itself is just so much fun. And, you know, giving props to the latest movie, Rogue One, how they tied it all together into A New Hope was brilliant and flawless and i love that's, that's beautiful yeah yeah oh. i uh yeah I, I definitely yeah give props to rogue one because that was my favorite like force awakens was all right but rogue one was my favorite because they just tied it all in and it was just like that that was brilliant and beautiful and like i i almost like i cried at how beautiful it was and like have princess leia there and i'm just like yes 
That got me. I was like, oh. No, I'm so excited. I know. I was like, yes. I just, yeah. And Darth it's... Vader is an animal in that scene, too. Yeah. Like, no mercy. <laughs> how, how do you feel about the CG of Carrie Fisher in that scene? That catches a lot of grief. The the CG in uh, Rogue One of Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher takes a lot of crap. I thought Carrie Fisher looked kind of good. I thought so, too. And I thought Peter Cushing was flawless. Like, wow. It was almost like he was actually there. Like, it was it was brilliant. Um, and I think it was appropriate that they did do that. Because he was that integral part of of that story. So to not have him would have been like the worst mistake they ever made. And he, so, he's, he's the one pulling the, in the, the other two sequels, uh, Empire and Jedi and the prequels. It's the emperor that's pulling the strings, but in new hope, it's actually Palpatine. No, not Palpatine, but, uh, give me a second. I know it. Uh, I can't think of his name, but Peter Cushion's character is the one that's actually pulling the strings the whole time. Uh, uh, He's a general, right? General or oh, oh boy, oh boy! I have to be. Hurry, hurry! We're losing our cred. Uh... Internet, don't fail me now. Grand Moff Tarkin. That's it. Yes. Don't add us. It was on the tip of my tongue. I could not think of it. Yeah, we both saw it, and we, we both knew, but sometimes, yeah. Oh, and by yeah. the way, quick side note, it's Christopher Plummer, not Ian McKellen. My bad. I've only seen <laughs> the movie once. Don't get on me about it. <laughs> I only rented it because it was Heath Ledger's last movie, and I have a man crush on Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, A New Hope is definitely a classic, and Rogue One, those last ten minutes of Rogue One, Make I do hope that much better. Yeah, definitely. I was I was wondering how they were gonna do it, and because I knew like from you know the different stuff that they were gonna, it was gonna be the the backstory to getting the Death Star plans, and I'm like, okay, I like I like that because it's not really explained, right? It's sort of oh they have these plans and Darth Vader's looking for them, and okay, so now to do the backstory, and it it couldn't have been more perfect. It just yeah, yeah. That was that was like the yeah, like nerd fan girl squee for me at the end of that one. <laughs> I think it's pretty much everybody talks about about Rogue One is those last ten minutes when it connects to, to a New Hope. Yeah, yeah, couldn't have done that any better. Oh. Yeah. My number four is Ghostbusters. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. So if you know if Ghostbusters is on my list that low at number four, <laughs> which it's still pretty good, it's top five. Yeah. I think my top four were pretty much set in stone. It was mm. just five through ten was the was the pain. But first memory of this movie was the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> and I'm give a shout out to my buddy Will at a. Uh, Haunted for our school with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and he's also a big Chewbacca fan. We love you, Will. Hope you're listening to this. But 
I love me with some Stay Puft Marshmallow, man. He's one of my favorite movie monsters of all time, if you can count him as that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why I love Stay Puft so much, but I went to one of those, uh, I went to a movie showing recently, or probably back in March or April. I went to a, there's this local company that's not sponsored, Death, Death Stitch Custom Clothing, where I got my uh, They Live shirt from. They're showing these horror movies at a local bar and they also sell besides his shirts he sells other random merchandise and vhs tapes and i bought the stay puff marshmallow man from the 80s 90s lines of cartoons to go with my other star uh, my other ghostbusters merchandise so that was a i think it was like five or ten bucks like <laughs> sold don't yeah. care I went to a certain Halloween store last year, and they were selling Stay Puff Marshmallow Men and Slimer figures. They were about two foot tall. But as soon as you look at the price tag, it was a big noob. <laughs> 80 bucks for a foam Stay Puff Marshmallow Men or Slimer. Oh, that's painful. That was like a foot and a half tall to two foot tall. I'm like, are you serious? Oh. Uh, that instantly was a like. Sorry, nope. Talk yourself out of a sale. Yeah, that, that must have been a bit heartbreaking, though. You it see was. This thing and it's like awesome, and then oh yeah, no. <laughs> eighty bucks for eighty bucks. That Stay Puft Marshmallow better be filled with marshmallow cream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or come to life and walk or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to do something more than just be a foam statue thing. <laughs> yeah, it, then it'd be worth it. <laughs> it goes without saying, I think Ghostbusters is one of the most iconic pop culture movies of all time. Definitely. It is just, it's just perfect. And I, I would have loved to have seen what the original cast was supposed to be, too. And probably another future episode, we'll talk about other things. I crucify me if you must. I love the female version of this movie too. I also like the sequel, uh, Ghostbusters 2, which also turns 30 this year. It's not the best. If I had to do a top 10 favorite sequels, Ghostbusters 2 would be on there. It's not as good as the first one, but I still like it. Mm-hmm. That one gets a lot of crap. Like it, it really gets beaten down, but I like it. I actually watched it recently, and, and it's just, it's so good. It's still, it's not, it, it's not going to hold a candle to the first one. No, the first, first one. First, always... That's lightning in a bottle. Yeah. But the second one is, I think we should do a top 10 favorite sequel sometime. That mm-hmm. would, that one would definitely be on there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, yeah, it's still good. Like it's, you know, it's sequels aren't always good, but this one was good. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't give it crap at all. And if anything hurt, it probably just came. It pro- if anything hurt the sequel, it's probably because it came five years after the first one did. Yeah. Timing timing can hurt a sequel pretty bad. Yeah, like especially yeah, if you're you're timing it that late, then it's just you know people are kind of over the whole fad of Ghostbusters, and it's you know they're on to something else, right? So you know then they see this, and it's like ah okay, you know, so they they're not so into it anymore, but you know. Yeah, I'm sure we could have further discussion about this movie another day, another episode. 
Oh, definitely. Because <laughs> so, uh, I think we have planned a paranormal and pop culture discussion planned for the near future. Yeah. So what is your number three? My number three is Spaceballs. Spaceball, that's a good one. I adore that movie, and I could quote it for days. Honestly, like, like get me on a freaking tangent of Spaceballs, like, just talking about it, quoting it, referencing it, whatever. I can go on for days. I just, and it's just one of those movies you can quote, and you can still laugh. Like, you can, you can laugh as hard as you would, you know, even... You know, like when you've watched it, you know, you're watching it and you laugh. Quote it and you're not watching it, it's still hilarious. I just, I love it. <laughs> so even just sitting here talking about it, I just remember some of the most random lines to the movie and it just makes me laugh. Like when they're combing the desert, man, we can't fight shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when will then be now? Soon, <laughs> you know. I always drink coffee when I watch Radar. You know that. Of course we do. Everybody knows that. Of course we do, sir. <laughs> What's wrong, Colonel Sanders? Chicken <laughs> <laughs> crashes into the control panel. <laughs> Can we stop? Yes, we stopped, sir. <laughs> How about we take a five-minute break? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> when, I worked at, when I worked in the shipping department in my aluminum job, um, me and one of the guys that worked up front, we used to do the salute to each other. The... Yes. <laughs> For those listening, I just did the salute that Mel Brooks does <laughs> with the little wait up yours then turn into the fluttering of the fingers me and a buddy of my, my old job used to do that all the time every time we saw each other at work <laughs> <laughs> yeah why didn't anybody tell me my ass was so big <laughs> no how many, a- how many <laughs> assholes we have in this ship anyhow <laughs> yo <laughs> Dude, I'm surrounded by assholes <laughs> Major Philip asshole. <laughs> uh, firing assholes. <laughs> why is it? Uh, what was it? Across her nose, not up it. <laughs> I'm trying my best, sir. This is eyes crossed. Yeah. We could be here all night talking about Spaceballs alone. It's not my favorite Mel Brooks movie, but I'd say top three easily. It makes top three. Yeah. Uh, My number three is something I mentioned in in our last episode, and that's Mallrats. They're not here to shop. They're not there to work. They're just there. (laughs) 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 I I mentioned last episode, it's my favorite Stan Lee cameo. And back in high school, I was so into the Kevin. I'm still into Kevin Smith's movies, the, especially his View Askew universe with Clerks and Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Chance on Bob Strike Back. But uh, Mallrats stuck out with me just because of all the nerdy references it makes and all the jokes. There's You have Jason Lee and Jeremy London having a five-minute-long discussion of whether or not Superman and Lois Lane could have a baby. With ends, I guarantee he blows a load through her back like a shotgun. 
And it's so many running gags, like uh, Shannon Dotery plays uh, Jason Lee's love interest, and every time you see her in the episode, in the movie, she has a different outfit on, because this is in the height of her Beverly Hills 90210 days. <laughs> and you have the running gag of Jay and Silent Bob beating up the Easter Bunny. Or you can ask random people, would you like a chocolate-covered pretzel? Because it's one of the first times I, saw, I ever saw Michael Roker in a movie. And Melissa, after, let me know when you watch this movie so I can ask if you like a chocolate-covered pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And there's there's a running gag of Ethan Suppley's character watching a, a Puzz 3D thing and not being able to see what's in the what's in the picture and Kevin Swiss out Bob trying to master the Jedi mind trick and it's one of Ben Affleck's first big roles too before uh, he's been he's been in movies before like Days and Confused and Teen or not Teen Wolf but uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer but. This was like right before uh, Goodwill Hunting oh, yeah. launched his career. Mm-hmm. If you watch any of the VSQ Universe movies, I'd strongly suggest this one okay. first of all of them. Clerks is a good one to start with, but because it it comes first in the universe history, but Mallrats comes second. It's 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 fucking hilarious. All right, I'm definitely gonna check that out now. I I need to. <laughs> What is your number? What is your number two? My number two is Monty Python's Life of Brian. Yes. Yeah. It's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why are you giving him a bomb for? <laughs> 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 How do you feel when I say the name Biggest Dickus? <laughs> I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that must, you hear about movies all the time keeping things out of scripts for people or just doing things off the cuff. And one of the favorite facts about that movie is Michael Palin, the people that played the guards did not know Michael Palin was going to do that. So those laughs are genuine when he's getting in their face and saying biggest dickus. (laughs) 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 I I love when they do stuff like that to get those natural reactions from those guys. And you see those guys trying to fight back those laughs so bad. (laughs) They keep it in the movie. Uh, to do another non-sponsor again, Melissa and I are big advocates of RippedApparel.com. Oh yeah. Have you been getting the emails of like the eleven daily or weekly designs? Yes. Did you see the Life of Brian one? No. How did I miss that? I think it was last week or two weeks ago of this recording. It's Brian doing the killing joke pose, and it says Romanus est. Whatever they make them right on the wall. Romani te domum, I think it is. Yeah. It's, ah! that, it's that in the background. <laughs> How did I miss? Oh, my God. <laughs> Check your email more often. Check your email every Wednesday or whenever those emails come. Yeah. By the way, Ripped Apparel is not a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we highly advocate their products. I wear t- I'm wearing one of their shirts right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing one of their shirts, but, you know, I have a couple of them. 
I think half right. of my dresser is theirs. <laughs> Mine's mostly uh, uh, T Public, T Public, and T Fury, and yeah, and then a few uh, ripped apparel ones. And my most recent one was a Letter Candy one. It was that red shirt and fighting Hicks. No. That's a good one. I have that I, right now. I have my ostrich shirt on, allegedly. <laughs> Life uh, of Brian. Like I said last episode, Life of Brian does hold toe to toe with Holy Grail. I think Holy Grail just has more of those memorable moments. I think it. Ca- I think Holy Grail captures more of that general audience, but. Life of Brian, you have to be like a real diehard uh, Python fan. I think it's more of the not that not the Holy Grail isn't more of the Monty Python humor than Life of Brian is, but I think if you're more of a diehard Python fan, you'll you appreciate Life of Brian more. Definitely, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of their more sort of I don't know obscure humor. I guess it would you could say. Like it's, 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 yeah, it's definitely more edgier or controversial for that time. Yeah. And there was a lot of controversy around that one, especially from many different religious groups. They were just all over that one. But (laughs) what was the original title going to be? Jesus Christ, uh, lust for glory or something like that. Yeah, that's what it was. (laughs) That's what Eric Idle said it was going to be. Yeah. (laughs) What's your favorite scene from Life of Brian? If you had to pick one, I'd say I'd say it's the stoning scene. I think the stoning scene is hilarious. Uh, stoning scene is is hilarious. Um, I love the it's a crucifixion, and you know one cross each. You know uh, what is it? One cross each. You have to stand off to the right or something, or off to the right. Can't remember how it goes now, um, but like you know, the the two um, they're not guards, but like they're the the jail helpers, whatever they are, and they're like you know they they have the you know like the stutter, and then okay everybody leaves, and they're like oh what was that again you know there's <laughs> <laughs> like talking normally, and that one's funny, um, but I also like. You know, they, they, yeah, they pick up the sandal and, and this is a sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one my reference I make quite a bit, and I don't think anybody ever gets it, is from the beginning of the movie. And oh, I can't, Carol, uh, her real name is Carol. She was in my Python all the time. I, uh, oh, uh, Carol Cleveland. Carol Cleveland, yes. I love her so much. But, uh, one of her lines at the beginning of the movie, wasn't the devil so blessed about the cheesemakers? What's <laughs> 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 so blessed about the cheesemakers? <laughs> oh, shut up, big nose. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you do have a big nose. <laughs> your nose is going to be three foot wide across your fucking face when I'm done with you. <laughs> Oh, blessed are the meek. That's so nice. They deserve something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You were probably the only person I've ever met that would have Life of Brian at number two. That's what I appreciate about you. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that was something I... That was one of my other, like, first sort of movies I got introduced to. Like, my parents introduced me to that, and I just I loved it. Like, you know, Monty Python's Flying Circus and, and all those ones. It just... Oh, I love it. Well, hopefully with the, with the catalog being on... Uh... Netflix now. Hopefully, more people get more introduced to it. Mm-hmm. The life of Brian is like I. I just think that. I just think the Holy Grail gets the the props because it 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 captures a more broader audience than Life of Brian does. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. My number two is a platform that we base this whole podcast off of, and that's Revenge of the Nerds. Nice. I I believe I saw this movie came out the year I was born, so I'm like six months younger than this movie. <laughs> but I saw this movie for the first time. I was honestly four or five years old. And if you've seen this movie, this is not a movie that a four or five year old should be watching. No. <laughs> but not at all. <laughs> I just love it so much, and my mom tells stories that my dad used to work at a grocery store chain when I was a kid and I would see a, a person with glasses on and I'd call him a nerd just because <laughs> of watching this movie so much. And I would, it was somebody my dad worked with too. And I go, bye nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, people, people may love Anthony Edwards for ER or, or Top Gun, but I love Anthony Edwards and revenge of the nerds. I love, Robert Carradine. I love this whole cast. Mm-hmm. And when I see these guys pop up again in other sh- other projects, like Curtis Armstrong who plays Booger, he is so hilarious. And I see him pop up as, most recently, Ezekiel the Cockroach from Doom Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> and this is one movie I'm glad that because of the circuit... Well, I'm not proud of the circumstances that caused it to not get remade, but I'm proud that it, it missed the cutting block to get remade. It was getting remade. It was in the process of getting remade. Curtis Armstrong talks about on, on ID10T or Nerdist. You watch the revenge of the nerds. This movie deals with a lot of, well, it almost seems too over the top that nerds are getting chastised for being who they are. But, um, and when you're, you're a child seeing this movie as young as I was at the time. A lot of these things go over your head, but there's a lot of heavy stuff that happens in this movie. And I really don't think it would hold up this well. Now, nowadays, um, some of the things they tackle in it being remade now, some of those topics too taboo, but it's one of those. It's one of those movies where it makes you proud to admit to be nerdy, and we're not all maybe computer smart, like computer programmer smart, like they are. But you watch these. These are all outcasts that get brought together because they are different from everybody else. They aren't the captain of the football team. They're not the head cheerleader. These are guys that are all brought together for loving what they love. And they can look past their orientation, their race, whatever, to band together and fight for change. And they, 
it takes some of the characters longer than others to admit what they are, but by then they're all proud of it. And it makes me proud to be a nerd. And that's why we end every episode by saying I'm a nerd and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great movie. I gotta watch it again sometime. Oh, Melissa, what is your number one favorite movie of all time? My number one favorite movie of all time is Beetlejuice. Nice. Very inspired (laughs) choice. Yeah. Yeah. That was that. It, it was one that I had in like top, still in like top five. And I'm like, no, I have to put the other ones in there. So then I ended up, yeah, Beetlejuice needed to be number one. And that was my solid choice after that. It did move. So, yeah, I love that movie. It's like, it's dark. It's fun. It's like delightfully quirky. And obviously everything that like Tim Burton movies are. So, yeah, I really enjoy it. I've seen it 167 times and it still gets funnier every time I see it. I'm not and talking to a dead guy, though, so... <laughs> Only on the inside. Oh, and he's getting a musical treatment now, too, which I'm very intrigued by. Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. I didn't think a movie like that would get musical treatment, but... Well, they, I guess... If they're going to find a way, more power to him. Well, exactly. I think it's, a, it's a definitely a different creative path for it. I, w- I think I would take that over a sequel. I'm glad they finally put the sequel to to bed. It's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, that's it's, been going it's around. Too far, it's too far gone now. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like if they if they made like if they wanted to make a sequel, they should have done it around the same time that the other one came out, and not like you know what is it now? Thirty years later. Thirty <laughs> one. Uh, well, you got to think at that time, Keaton just landed Batman and Catherine O'Hara, her career was starting to take off. I think she had Home Alone not too far after this. Winona Ryder, I don't know what she did. Uh, Heather's was about the same time, or I think Heather's might have been before. But um, I think it, 31 years later, it's, I think it's too far removed. As much as I'd love to see Keaton... And why no one on everybody back again? I think it's too far gone. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, sadly it is. But I, I'm really glad that, yeah, it's kind of, you know, being put to rest now. Because it's just, that whole thing got tired. Like, it just, you know, oh, we're going to make you know, a sequel, whatever. And it's, no. Beetlejuice goes to Hawaiian, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> well, if not, we always, it, this will probably come up in our cartoon episode, but. Got the Beetlejuice cartoon still to look back on. Mm-hmm. I love the Beetlejuice cartoon. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one too. Well, yeah. For the first time in this whole list, we are semi on the same page. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> My number one favorite movie of all time is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Nice. Yes. <laughs> I I thought that would be somewhere in your list. 
if you had to break down my obsessions, it's Joker, it's Ghostbusters, it's Nightmare Before Christmas, if I pick three. And I love this movie. I saw this movie, I want to say I was, it came out in 93, so I had just turned, I think I was getting ready, I, I was eight years old getting ready to turn nine when this movie came out. I don't think I saw it in theater, but I remember renting it. And I didn't see it again for the longest time until I was almost in my early 20s. Wow. And then since then, I've just been in love with it. I love this freaking movie. And I don't get in the whole debate if it's is it a Christmas movie, is it a Halloween movie. I watch this movie once a month easily, once every two months at most. And like basketball, like Gremlins, like Batman or Ghostbusters, this is a movie I can watch with the sound off and quote it line for line. And it's another movie I'm glad I didn't get the sequel treatment just because not a, the fact that Tim Burton's not really a sequel director, but this whole story is wrapped up so well that I think it would hurt it to expand upon it. I really don't want to see Jack go into Thanksgiving land or St. Patrick's Day land. And I've seen a lot of fake posts online. Oh, Jack and Sally's kids. This is going to be the sequel. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm a bigger Nightmare fan than you are, and I do not want to see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because one's one's a skeleton and one's a doll filled with um, leaves. So how are they going to reproduce? Exactly. That just <laughs> wouldn't be possible at all. <laughs> that would be I, I admit I have. I know there's like a pseudo sequel out there now in the comics with Zero's Journey. I have the first issue. I know it's a manga format. I'm not a huge manga person, but my list of comics I read is so long. That one kind of took a back seat to um, my weekly polls. And by the time I was strapped for cash for so long for the last few months, that that was one of the ones that didn't make the list when I started to start catching up on back issues. Um, maybe if they, when they release a full trade of the whole run, then maybe I'll probably buy that. If I'm not a manga fan or not, but, I make decorations for my house, my apartments for Christmas every year based off this movie. I sold, I've sold stuff. I, I made the killer wreath and I threw it away when I moved. So I'm going to make a new one this year. And I get in the debate every time I see it online. I will state this now. Fight me. The killer wreath does not have teeth. Watch the movie. Get it right. He has no teeth. Oh, he does not. When I had my going away party back in October, it's so hard for me to find a favorite character. But I think I lean on Oogie Boogie and Lock, Shock, and Barrel as a a unit. And (laughs) I lose so much of my money at Walgreens. (laughs) <laughs> between October and December because they sell so much merchandise <laughs> <laughs> that time of year. <laughs> but yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas is my absolute favorite movie of all time. For the longest time, it was Revenge of the Nerds, but I look back and go, yeah, definitely Nightmare Before Christmas. 
yeah that one's yeah i love that movie like i'm not a big fan of like musicals like yes i like grease and you know but i'm not a huge fan of them but this one was the first one i had seen and i just loved it like it was just so good and yeah i instantly like fell in love with it and uh yeah you know i you know you can't get enough like i have so many like you know jack skellington like i have jack skellington socks and hoodie like you just can't have enough of that stuff it's so cool. he's, he's, he's definitely the face you see on everything i'd like to see more of the other care i'm glad the other characters are starting to make their appearances on in merchandise usually it's just jack he's the He's the face, and I'm glad I'm starting to see like Oogie Boogie up here on more things. And mm-hmm. now with the rise of Funko, uh, all the other characters are starting to get appearances made on merchandise. I yeah. usually try to snatch up any Oogie Boogie merchandise I can find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I once... Um, I carved Oogie Boogie into a pumpkin for Halloween. It I did, did that it did. this past year, too. Yeah. It was... Uh, it... it broke at, uh, I think it was at like on one side so it kind of like I had to like, place it so you couldn't really see it but... it happened to mine it happened to mine too because I did his I did his silhouette when he's on the moon yeah and the just the tip of the stem of his top of his head broke I had to use a toothpick to fix that last piece ah uh, I'm just trying yeah. I was trying to find it now to see if I can show you but I also did uh, Jack Skellington one too. That one turned out very well. Like it just, oh, it was good. That was one of my my favorite ones I did of carving, <laughs> Jack. Oh, such a perfect movie. That one turned twenty five last year. And I keep saying whenever they listen to the theater, I'm gonna go see it, and I keep telling myself. Whenever they do the overlay at the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland in California, I'm going to go see it. And I still never been. Mm. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely those movies I watch all the time. Yeah. It's on, it's on my phone, so now in this day and age, I can watch it anywhere I want. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a quick movie, too. It, 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 it moves really fast. And now my father is 62. My father is a fan of this movie now. Over the last, when he turned sixty, I gave him, a, I bought him a copy of the movie as a, a gift from my cat, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he became, he became, a, he's become a fan over the last few years. He, he said, even I'm part of the reason why he likes it. I go, used to watch it all the time. Right? Finally, I sat down and watched it. It's a pretty good movie. I'm like, right? <laughs> yeah, such a good movie. And, it, it, and Tim Burton does a nice. I love it. Yeah. Of course, people at home can't see it, but I can. So yeah. neener neener. <laughs> <laughs> that one turned out the best. Like it just. I'll have to send you the picture of some of the stuff I've made. I have to see if I have a picture of the. Re- I made a. When I lived in Davenport. I made a door design of Jack, and the in the what's his name. I don't think the kid had a name. Who gets the shrunken head? Oh yeah! I drew, I drew him, and then I drew all the other toys in the background, and it says "We wish you a scary Christmas," and I hung that on my door. Oh, nice! And a friend bought that <laughs> off of me for thirty bucks for her daughter. Aww. So I made, I made another one yeah. with random scenes from the movie, and I put Christmas lights around it. 
Nice. I, I am going to mark my words. I am going to make another killer wreath this year. <laughs> well, you should. You have I, to. Let's see. Nice. I can see the break. Yeah. Pumpkins are so weak. They are. Or they're they're either like too weak or they're like a friggin' bitch to carve into. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I get home or don't record, I'm gonna go home and watch Nightmare for Christmas again on my phone. I'm laying in bed with my, my two kitty cats and watch Nightmare for Christmas. <laughs> So that's that's our top ten favorite movies of all time. I I think we can go without saying it's definitely not the most conventional top ten movies you'll hear of all time. I've never heard the life of Brian even making number ten on somebody's list, let alone number two. <laughs> More power to you, sister. I'll I'll stand and fight with you on the front lines for that one. Hey nerds and nerdettes, it's Jared from the future here. This episode ran a little long, and we're gonna cut it right here. As much as Melissa and I love a good three-hour-long podcast, we value your time way more. So come back next time and we'll start talking about our favorite live-action television shows. Thanks, guys. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.